Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope that these messages encourage and inspire you in your personal journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, this is usually the time where we, we start off the year, right? Energized, goal-oriented, motivated. And this during this time when spring comes, we kind of lose sight of our, of our goals and what God is calling us to do. I want to encourage you, stay on course. Right? Stay on course. The way you started off the year. See, God's saying that finish strong. This race is about finishing strong. Let 2019 be a strong finish. A strong finish. Instead of, instead of like waiting for 2019 to be over, you want 2019 to slow down. Right? Because usually when we have a tough year, we'd be like, oh, I can't wait to get rid of this year. Right? And we want to rush to the next year. But if you're finishing strong, you're focusing on finishing strong, that means you, you enjoy every moment of your time, a moment of the day, moment of the year. Take time and enjoy what God is doing in your life. Finish strong. Right? Complete the task. Complete the goals. Amen? Revisit your goals that you set from the beginning of the year. Revisit them. Meditate on them. Bring them to life. Are you with me? Yes. That was just a little extra encouragement for you. So we're finishing up the series, Blind Spots and Conversions. It's been a tough one. It's been a tough series. It's not really, not real popular messages. Amen. The first, the first one we talked about, the first blind spot was the throne of pride. That was tough. It was tough. It's not easy talking about pride. Right? It's not easy talking about pride. It's hard for people to receive it. You know why? Because of pride. <laughs> it was a tough top, topic to talk about. Right, the last week we had to deal with some baggage. It's not easy dealing with those bags, right? Those bags. See, pride hides, so pride creates baggage. Right? So we had to deal with the, the, the baggage, right? So blind spots and conversions. See, blind, some blind spots we just, we, we just don't see. We don't see it. So we wanted God to reveal those blind spots to us. So blind spots can hold us back from being the person that God called us to be. Right? So we need to deal with those blind spots. It's not easy dealing with yourself, dealing with stuff. See, God's been dealing with me um, blind spots. So I had to share it with you. I can't be the only one dealing with blind spots. Right? We're one. Amen? So if I got to deal with stuff, you got to deal with stuff too. Amen? So you're not alone. So I've been dealing with blind spots, blind spots, blind spots. But for whatever, whatever blind spot you have, there's a conversion. Right? So we dealt with pride, right? And God converted us to humility. Right? We had to deal with baggage. It's not easy to deal with. So if you will, can you turn with me to John chapter 20? John chapter 20. We're going to start in verse 24. We're going to continue to deal with this last blind spot. We have three blind, God revealed to me three blind spots that he wanted this church to deal with. Pride, baggage, pride. And, and baggage. And now we're going to deal with the third one today. Are you ready? Yes. So starting in verse 24. Now Thomas, the one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, 
unless I see in his, in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I would never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came um, and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands and put, on, uh, put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And yet have believed. So how many want to grow in the Lord? So how many, no, seriously, how many want more of God? Yes. See, when we ask for more of God, then God is going to deal with some things within you. Right. Right. So in, in the, the first thing God would deal with is our attitudes. See, we need to have a Christ like attitude about our spiritual growth, a Christ like attitude. I'm not just talking about positive thinking. Right. Because you read you read, listen to videos, read self-help uh, health books and, and things like that, uh, bumper, read bumper stickers. They tell you that you need to have a positive attitude like when you wake up in the morning, you need to be extremely positive. How many wake up extremely positive every day? Yeah. That's not me. I don't wake up with the best attitude. Give me a few sips of coffee. Sometime I need one or two before I can actually wake up. Right? I am not a morning person. The only person I've seen really cheerful in the morning is my wife. <laughs> I can't stand it. I just need a moment. Just give me a moment. Right? I mean, I just need a little clarity. Like, the world just doesn't look right early in the morning. I don't, I don't, I'm just not feeling it. I thought I was really bad. I thought I was really bad until I, until I met Sam, or our AV person, met Sam at the um, a storage to pick up the stuff for service, right? I thought I was really bad. Like, Sam made me extremely excited. Because when I saw Sam in the morning, he said, hey, Pastor Jesus. <laughs> Sam, you, you all right? I mean, what's, what's going on? I thought someone died. He's just like, no, I just haven't had coffee. Just here to pick up the stuff or whatever. It's like, man, we probably shouldn't have church. <laughs> oh my gosh. I thought I was bad. You'll meet Sam at the storage. He will you will see. Like he's like he needs some healing. Pray for him. <laughs> but we don't always have the best attitude, right? So I'm not talking about a positive attitude. I'm talking about a godly attitude. See, a godly attitude doesn't come because you decide to smile harder. A godly attitude comes because you decide to follow God. So it's that type of attitude, that godly attitude we need to have. We need to, we need to have a faith-type attitude, right? Attitude of, of, of obedience, right? An uh, uh, attitude of, of love, right? An uh, attitude that you, that you made a decision that I'm going to follow God no matter what. Yeah. So the blind spot I want to deal with today is that 50-50 attitude. Oh, yeah. I know. You don't like me. You don't like me. It's that 50-50 attitude. A little bit of doubt, a little bit of faith. Can you imagine if God goes halfway with us? Pastor Emily was just talking about that in worship. I was like, she has to be kidding me, right? Like she must have looked at my notes or she must <laughs> knew that God told me to say this. Imagine God just give us a half a healing, oh, yeah. a half a blessing. 
Now, when God blesses you, he goes all in. He goes all in. So that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to go all in. No gossip in the church. Who told him? Who told him? No gossip. I bind the spirit of gossip in this church. needs enemies, right? Goodness. Church not even over yet. He found out already. My gosh. It's that 50-50 attitude God wants us to deal with halfway in and halfway out. It's that 50-50 attitude that we must deal with, right? The attitude of doubt we must deal with today. The attitude of doubt. See, you know what my definition of the attitude of doubt or the 50-50 attitude? You know the old saying when people say, well, I'm playing for the worst and hope for the best. That's the 50-50 attitude. How is God going to bless you if you're only going halfway? So you're planning for the worst and hoping for the best. So imagine, is the kingdom of God that way? Right? So we plan for the worst and hope for the best. That means you're planting seeds of doubt. So anything that God gives you, calls you to do, you're planting that seed of of doubt. Well, I know he said it, but um, just in case, I'm a plan for the worst and hope for the best. We will not be here coming from Connecticut if we decided to plan for the worst and hope for the best. You can't plant a church with that type of mindset. Amen. If God said it, it is, and it will work out. Amen. If God said it, it is, and it will work out. Amen. I cannot, we cannot have a backup plan. We cannot have, listen, God challenged me with this the early days of this church when I didn't see things working out, right? I started to plan for a backup plan in case this didn't work out. But if he said it, if he said it, he will provide for us. If he said it, it's not my church. That's what I had to realize. It's not my church. This is not my church. It is his. It is his church. I just need to steward it. Are you with me? So let's get rid of the 50-50 attitude Right? It will work out. It will work out. Let's not plan for the worst and hope for the best. Right? So here's, so Jesus was dealing with Thomas, and Thomas had an attitude. He said, "Uh, unless I see, then I have to place my finger into the nail of his hand and and then I have to place my hand into this, in his side, and, then, and then, then I believe. Then I believe. The dude had trust issues, right? <laughs> I mean, I hear a lot where people say, it's hard for me to trust people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's easy to justify, right? Because people, in general, can let you down. Yeah. And especially in church. Right? You hear all the scandals that's going on in church. It's hard for you to trust. Yep. Right? Trust breeds doubt. Yep. Right? So you, you doubt if you're going to find uh, uh, the right church. You, you doubt if, if this church is for you or, or, or not. Amen? So it's hard. So, this, so he must have had some trust issues. 
So Jesus must have known of his trust issue, so he came, he came back, right? And Jesus came back and, and answered his prayer, answers Thomas' prayer. He said to Thomas, then put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. But what was the message? See, Jesus did come back, and he, he answered Thomas' prayers because he was doubting. But what was Jesus' message, though? What was Jesus' message to him? And I believe, and I know this is the message for all of us. His message was verse 29. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? And this is for the church. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And yet have believed. Do you still believe that God created you to do amazing things, but you don't see it? Do you still believe God's called you to do amazing things, but you don't see it, but you do not see it? Do you still believe it? Do you still believe it even if you don't see it? Are you with me? You know what the scripture says in Hebrew 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Do you still believe that God's calling you to do amazing things, but you don't see it? Does, does Jesus have to come down and tell you to touch my side, touch my hands? I, look, I died for you. Do you still believe me? Do you see the marks? I died for you. Do you have to touch the marks of Jesus that hung on the cross? Do you have to, in order for him to get you to move, do you have to touch the, the, the marks of his hands? Or do you just believe? Do you believe? Does he have to come down and give you every detail of the plan that he has for you? Wow. But can you just take a step? Do you still believe? That's challenging. I mean, it's challenging. It may not be challenging for you, but it was challenging for me when the Lord spoke to me about that. See, I know we all doubt at times. So I'm not saying that when we doubt, it would disqualify us for fulfilling God's call. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when we, we are drowning in doubt. When we are drowning in doubt. Like the, the doubting prevents us from doing something. Wow. Yeah, wow. When it prevents us to, to like Thomas, just uh, from, pre- prevents us from doing anything won't believe anything until we actually see it. That's the doubt that I'm talking about. Wow. Right? When we're drowning in doubt, it is hard to get clarity on things. Here's a question. Do you ever feel like you are just going about your days wishing for the next day because maybe tomorrow you'll have more hope, faith, and drive? Do you ever feel... Uh, do you ever dream of something started and then hit a wall where you feel like you can't, you can't go anymore? I do. See, the enemy is the voice of doubt. He will use anything he can to stop you from moving forward. He is the voice of doubt. He will speak to you and stop you from moving forward. Forward, Amen. See, we get caught up. I believe we get caught up in, in, in I, I know God can, but will he do it? Like, I know he can do it, but will he do it for me? Like, I know what the scripture says, right? Oh, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. I know what the scripture says. I know he can do it because he's God. But where we get caught up at is, will he do it for me? Wow. Like, will, will he do it for me? Like, I've seen other people get blessed I see, the, I see the blessings over their lives. I see them do amazing things. But will he do it 
for me. For me. Will he do it for me? So that we get caught up in I knowing, see, we're not bad people, right? We believe in God. But sometimes it's hard to believe in God for ourselves. We can believe in God for others, but it's hard to believe in God for ourselves. Like, will he do it for me? Will he do it for me? So Jesus, when he healed the man with leprosy, he came to Jesus. He says, I know that you're willing, I'm paraphrasing, uh, I know that you're, 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 um, you're able, but are you, are you willing to, to heal me? And Jesus says, I, I am. I'm willing. And he told him to stretch forth his hands. Stretch forth his hands. Jesus stretched forth his hand and he, and he healed him. So when God has his hands on you, when God has his hands on you, he will do it. When God has his hands on it, the things that you're asking for or he called you to do will do it. See, when God is, see, God is about change. And whenever God has his hands on you, it will make a difference. Are you with me? When he puts his hands on something, it will always come out better. So God's always, when God has his hands on me, he's always pointing me, me to a better place. So when God, God has his hands on you, that means he's pointing you to a better place. You will always come out better. Are you with me? Is anybody excited here this morning? Is anybody excited this morning? Come on, you need to tell yourself or tell the enemy, I am somebody. I'm headed somewhere better. I am somebody. I'm headed somewhere better. Come on, God has his hands on you. If he has his hands on you, he's always pointing you to a better place. Are you with me this morning? Come on, somebody is going to have to get this message here this morning. You always come out better. When God gets involved in your life, he has his hands on your life, you will always come out out better. You may not see it, but better is coming. Better is coming because he has his hands on you. He has his hands on you. Here comes better. It may not feel better, but it's coming. But better is coming. His hands is on your life. His hands is on your life. Better is coming. Hallelujah. 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 Yes, his hand is on this church. His hand is on this church. Those that serve in this church continue to serve with so much gratitude, thankfulness. Like you get to serve God. You get to serve in this church. What an awesome feeling. He has his hand on this church. So because it's his church and his hand is on this church, this church will get better. He has a better plan than we can even imagine. Right? We're praying for a building. We're praying for more people. But he's got an even better plan than that. I got a few people with me this morning. I got a few people with me this morning. So we need to deal, we need to deal with this doubt. With this doubt. Where is it coming from? We need to deal with this doubt. We need to deal with this. Can you go with me here? So we need to deal with the cause and effect of doubt. The cause and effect of doubt. See, doubt is a pattern of thinking that, that is formed over a long period of time. So doubt is a pattern of thinking formed over a long period of time. See, the real battle is still internal, right? But real change isn't produced until we face our minds and our thoughts. 
That's where the battle is. So we need to face what we need to face so that way God can remove what needs to be removed. Face what we need to face. Face our minds, face our thoughts. I talked about last week that we need to, we need to take our thoughts captive. So that means every day. So you can't win one battle of uh, negative thoughts in your mind thinking that you are good. It should be a daily practice because doubt contradicts what God says. So if we are, if we're having doubt, it could be little doubt or it could be drowning in doubt. So we must take our thoughts captive. What is this saying to me? Is it contradicting what the Lord has said? Is, is it contradicting what the Bible says? Is it contradicting of who I am? Is it contradicting what Pastor Pete taught us about the sonship seed? Is it contradicting my seat right now? It, what is this doubt telling me right now? What is this voice telling me? Is it the enemy or is it myself? Doubting what God says. So we need to face it. We need to face it. Face our minds. Face our thoughts. And we need to confront this doubt. Are you with me? Yes. Confront this doubt. Confront this doubt. Come on, we got to go somewhere. Yes. See, how we think, think affects everything from our ability to solve problems, understand meaning, and value, and purpose. So how we think affects, affects right, our ability to solve problems and how we understand meaning and value and purpose. How are you going to understand purpose if you cannot solve problems? Your purpose comes with problems. Joseph. Right, Joseph, God spoke to Joseph. He's saying that you're going to do amazing things. He said that you're going to, be, you're going to rule your brothers and this and that. And, and then, then once Joseph got that uh, a vision, oh, my gosh, all hell broke loose in, in his life. Right? He got thrown into slavery, thrown in a pit, um, went to jail, did all that. He was better off not saying anything. That's what I was thinking. It's like, Joseph, why, did, why do you have to say something? Just don't say anything. <laughs> Maybe all that stuff wouldn't have happened in your life. Just shh. Like sometimes I say, oh, but God's calling me to do something great. I get so excited. I want to say something about you don't know what's going to happen when you say something out loud. Yeah. <laughs> right? So all that happened. So he had all these problems after he got the call. All that he got the call. But, but God showed him how to handle problems, how to deal with problems. Amen? So you cannot fulfill a purpose if you don't know how to solve problems. Wow. How are you going to fulfill a purpose if you don't know, uh, if you do not know or understand your value? <laughs> what you're worth? How much you were bought for? <laughs> Who you are? Whose you are? You can't fulfill the purpose of God if you don't know you belong to him and only to him. Is anybody with me this morning? I feel like we need another dance right now. I feel like I'm losing some people right now. Are you with me this morning? See, the reason why we doubt, so the reason why faith and doubt is a, it's a type of attitude is because you have to choose it. You have to choose faith, and you have to choose to doubt, right? See, our attitudes matter. Each attitude is a pattern of thinking formed over a long period of time. So doubt is a pattern of thinking formed over a long period of time, right? See, in my, in my mind, I have images of the past, present, and future. Images of the past, 
present, and future. In my past, there are events that caused me to doubt, right? So the image sets off a trigger. The trigger leads to a routine you have internalized based on your past. Are you with me? So it's like you rehearse everything that went wrong in the past. So I have images in my head of the past, present, and future. But because, so what God, what God may call me to do something amazing in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the now or in the future, but because of the past, I have that image of when things went wrong, I bring it into the now. Because I have not dealt with the past. Because I have not dealt with the past. I know we can't go back to the past because it has passed, but we can deal with thoughts, right? So we, we think when we head into a crisis situation now, we head into a crisis situation, it starts changing your attitude. It's like, oh, one minute I have faith all of a sudden when uh, this trial came and all that. Now I have doubt. Where's that coming from? Well, it's because that attitude was formed over a, a period, a long period of time. Yes. This was not the first time it happened. Yes. It happened before. Yes. Right? It became a pattern of, of thinking. Right? What you think about yourself, what you think about the, the situation. Are you with me? Yes. See, we can be in the right place at the right time, but have the wrong attitude. Right, because all we're doing, just like the baggage, right, we're just bringing our thoughts, our mentality, our hurts, and our pain with us to the now. And then when God gives you a call, right, if you don't have a clean slate, you will project what's in the past onto the future. And then that's how we create doubt. So pride hides, right, creates baggage, baggage for so long period of time, you carry those baggage, it creates doubt yes. in our lives. Yes. So it's hard to even believe that God would, would do something nice for you would do something amazing in your, in your life because you, your identity comes from the past. So everything that you project, it's like, oh, it's like, you won't, it's hard to believe anything. Well, I need Jesus to come down from heaven and, and, and if I see the mark on his hand and, you know, if I see it first, if I see it first, and then, 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 then okay, but then I have to touch it because seeing it is just not enough. Then I have to touch it. Let me just touch, let me, let me make sure I touch Jesus. We Christians, we like to touch things. We're touchy-feely type of people. We like to touch things in order to believe it. So I need to see it first. And then I need to touch it. I need to feel it. I need to feel it. I need to feel it. We can't get Christians to move forward in anything because they want to see and touch things. I believe God, I'm the last person that God wants me to see and touch something. He wants me to believe it because he already touched it. So my job is not to see everything, but whatever he gives me, I need to steward it. I don't need to touch everything, because if I know if I start touching stuff, that's my wife, start touching stuff around the house, oh my gosh, we're going to have to call for help. But it's true, as Christians, we start touching things that God already created, right, that God already touched, and we want to bring it to church and say, help me fix this. Help me fix this. We want to bring it to God. Fix this, please. Fix this, please. You shouldn't have touched it. Why you touch it? Why you touch it? It was already blessed. It was already blessed. It, already it was already destined. Why you touch it? You didn't have to touch it. 
right? You don't have to touch it. All you have to do is just believe that I called you to steward it. You believe I called you to walk in it. That's it. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. So, so we have these images in our minds, right, of, of the past that was created from the past that caused us to doubt when someone let you down. Yeah. Even mistakes that you've made, right, that caused us to doubt so much. Church, I'm here to tell you that God's called you to do amazing things. I'm going to keep saying it until you actually believe it. You're called to do amazing things. There's no backup plan. There's no back. God created you before you were born. Knew exactly what you were going to do. He is not going to change his mind. He's not going to change the course. He's not going to reinvent you because you're not feeling it, right? He's not going to reinvent you because we're not feeling it. Right? It is already. It is already. See, I see you doing amazing things. Right? So much connections. So much connections just touching people's lives. So much connections just coming into your, to your life. And after they come into your life, they're going, they're going out and they just they feel so blessed and empowered and set up for destiny. I don't know. I just see you touching people's lives. Amen. God's calling you to touch a lot of people's lives. Amen. Continue to believe that God's called you to do amazing things. I see it. I see it. I see it. God doesn't want us. See, we doubt a little bit, but we kind of get over it, right? We say, oh, why am I doubting? I need to, I need to have more faith. But it's that drowning in doubt. God doesn't want us to drown in doubt. Where doubt consumes our lives, right? That all we thinking about how things aren't working out. That's where God, that's where the deliverance come in. Are you with me? See, Paul tells us, do not conform, in Romans 12 too, do not conform any longer to the what? Pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, then, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So he says, first, do not be conformed to the pattern of old thinking. Right? That old thinking, you can say the world, because we were once in the world, right? So do not be conformed to the old pattern of thinking, right? Then be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How how do you get your mind renewed? Like you have to take every thought captive. How It's not going to just happen when you wake up just magically. You'd be like, oh, I start, I'm, I'm thinking a little bit better today. It's not going to happen. You know why? Because doubt, doubt is a pattern, an attitude that was formed for a long period of time. Right? So every day we have to renew our minds. That's why the Bible tells us to die daily. Die daily. See, every decision we make contributes to some way to the pattern of thinking that becomes your attitude. Right? So as Christians, we are called to view our lives through the lens of faith. And in return, we are meant to show the world an attitude that boasts Jesus, the boast of Jesus. Are you with me? Come on. Our faith is not rooted in what we see. Our faith faith is rooted in a God that is real. Don't go by what you see. Don't go by what you see. Go by who you know. Mm. 
Because what you see, what we see sometimes is images of doubt. Don't go by what you see. Go by who you know. Like, I know that he called me. I know he called me to do amazing things. I'm not going to believe this image that I have in my head. Amen. I'm going to still keep moving. I'm going to keep moving. I mean, matter of fact, I'm not going to stop right here. I'm going to take every thought captive right now. This is like stinking thinking right now. Where's this thought coming from? Then let me dig in this bag and, and, and rebuke all the, the things of the past. And in the name of Jesus, this is not who I am. I'm going to take every thought captive. I know that God's called me to do greater works. He said, I'm going to do greater works. What does that mean? That this thought, this doubt is a liar from the pit of hell right now. I'm going to bind it. I'm going to get rid of it right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. No more drowning in doubt. God is amazing. And he never lies. He won't lie to you. Yes, yes, he can do it. And he's willing. He can do it and he's willing to do it for you. He's willing to do it for you. Are you with me? So that was the cause. Oh, we got to go. We got to go. The cause. So the effect of, of doubt is that we become lukewarm. I mean, over a period of time of doubting, doubting will wear us down and we'll become lukewarm. And Jesus warned us about about this in Revelations 3.15. He says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. With that, you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Kind of a strong message for the church, right? But it's a strong message that tells you how God actually feels about lukewarm. I don't know about you, but I cannot stand lukewarm coffee. I just, it's, it's amazing. This is like prophetic. Just this morning, right, one of the coffee pots, I poured it, right, it wasn't hot enough. It was lukewarm. I said, God, you're amazing. Reminding me not to have a lukewarm life, right? right? So I had to pour it out and I had to get the other pot, which was really hot really hot, right? So being hot, that means you have to stay passionate for the things of God. So he was challenging the church. He says, I know your deeds. The focus here is on what we do because of our outward action reflects the condition of our inner hearts. Yes, that's good. So if you you carry baggage long enough and you drown in, in, in doubt, you lose passion for the things of God. And sometimes we don't know it. I'm telling you, it is a blind spot. Yeah. It, be, it creates that 50-50 attitude. Mm-hmm. Halfway in and halfway out. Yeah. A little bit of doubt and a little bit of faith. Right? We lose that passion for God, for the things of the Lord. He was challenging the church like I'm looking at your action and it's reflecting the conditions of your heart. It's like, like Jesus saying, like, you can't play church with me. Because the first place he looks is, is, is at the heart. So when he talks about looking, peeking in the window, if you read that whole chapter, peeking in the window, he's peeking into our hearts. So he's looking at our heart. He knows what's in our heart, then he's looking at our actions. This is why you're doing what you're doing. It's because your heart's not right. Somewhere along the line, you've lost passion for me. Maybe you got stuck at, you know I can do it, but will I do it for you? Maybe you're there. Maybe you're there, and it just creates doubt in our lives. Imagine if God only gave us a a partial healing, a partial commitment, a partial blessing. He wants us, church, to go all in, all in, give 
our entire selves. Can you imagine if you give your entire self to God? You will come out better. You will come out. Our attitudes matter. Our attitudes matter. Okay, let's deal with the conversion. We need to ask God to change our attitudes. So what we're going to do, we're going to own it, turn away, and seek his ways. We're going to own it, identify the doubt, repent, and, and seek his ways. Say it with me, own it, own it. Turn, away. turn away, seek his ways. Seek his own, own it, turn away. Seek his ways. So the first thing we have to do is allow God to clean our hearts. Psalms 51.10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. So ask God to search our hearts. Say, God, if it's not pleasing to you, take it out of me. God, if it's not pleasing to you, take it out of me. Cleanse me from inside and out, Lord. Make me new. Make no room for distractions right now. Cleanse my heart. If it's pride, clean it out. Clean my baggage, Lord God, and make room for the future. Clean out the baggage of the past and make room for the future, God. If I'm drowning in doubt, Lord God, increase my faith. Like give, I, I want to give you more than 50. I want to give you more than 50. And then we have to guard our hearts. Then we have to guard our hearts. Right? We have to guard our hearts. Proverbs 4, 23, 26. It says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put, and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Let all your ways be established in me. Let all your way be established in me. Self Doubt does not live here anymore. So I'm guarding my heart right now. So any negative thoughts that tries to creep in into my heart, no, you don't, you no longer live here anymore. No longer live. Guard your heart. Set a boundary right where distractions cannot enter into your heart. Make no room for distractions. Are you with me? Yes. So we need to own it, turn away, and seek his ways. Seek his way. We need to own it. Own. Say, God, why am I doubting? Why, why have I doubted? Where is it coming from? Where is it coming from? You're not like other people. <laughs> You're not like people who've disappointed me. You just, you're my, you're my father. You're like everything that I've been looking for. Like why, why, why am I, why do I allow doubt to have its way in my life? No, I can't, I can't, I can't live here anymore, God. God, I can't, I can't live here anymore. I, I, you're bringing me to a place that is so much better and I, I need to stay on course. I need to stay focused on what you're calling me to do. I can't allow doubt to creep in. I can't allow doubt to take over my life any, any, any longer. Who says? Who's telling me that I'm not the man that you call me to be? Who says I'm not going to be that person? Who says that I can't have healthy relationships? Who says I can't have a business that's flourishing? 
Who says my, 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 my uh, marriage can, can't be healthy? Who says that I have to be broke? Who says I can't have good opportunities? Who says that? Who is, who is telling me that? Let me look into my bag, baggage and figure out what's speaking to me that's contradicting what God is saying about me. And let me get rid of it. I'm going to own it. And I'm going to turn away from it. And I'm going to seek his ways. My past is a liar. The devil is a liar. The past and the devil are like teaming up together. Because the devil know my past because I told him about it. He see my actions. He see me struggling with the past. So he knows it. So he's taking full advantage of it. We always see the devil and you are the only people that remind you of your past. God will never remind you of your past. from it and I'm going to seek his ways. God, what are your ways? Deliver me from this blind spot. I don't want to give you 50. I want to give you 100. It's hard to give God 50 if you got all this weight of the past on you. You get tired. It's time to unpack. Let's not be prideful. Let's be humble servants. Let's just be real. We always talk about being real. You know what being real is? It's talking about your stuff. It's owning up to your stuff. We hope this message was impactful to you. If you would like to hear more, please remember to subscribe. For more information, you can visit our pages on both Facebook and Instagram. God bless you and have a great rest of the week.